This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I love sports cards. I collect sports cards, and I have a podcast about collecting sports cards, and we have been running and running and running and doing this whole parallel thing, and you know I had to have Star Rubies on here. We're covering Star Rubies today, and we are unlocking a new character. My man, John Spur Fanatic, he has one of the most impressive collections that I've seen on the Instagram machine. He is a fan of the 90s. He's got some bangers. Star Rubies is a part of that collection. And I said, John, can you come on here and give us the good word and talk about why Star Rubies are significant in this damn hobby? And he does that. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. You're going to dig this one. Let's go. Let's kick up the conversation. I feel like I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with a, a new character unlocked, John Spur Fanatic here. We're going to be talking about rubies. We're both tech guys, so we are sharing um, some fun stories about work and why we kind of escape from work and enjoy sports cards. But John, without further ado, welcome, man. How are you? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on the show or the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, so your collection's insane. I think anyone who follows you realizes that a big, big '90s guy. Um, maybe we just start here. Like, I'm curious. Obviously, there's so many awesome '90s collectors and '90s cards and parallels. And before we get into the rubies, just want to maybe kind of get your take and perspective on just what is it about the era of '90s cards that grabs you? Uh, well, you know. Like, I think most people have a very similar story. There's like a pattern amongst most of us that collect the uh, the 90s space. But that's when most of us were growing up. Most people collected sports cards in the early 90s. Uh, I came back in high school and was collecting in the late 90s. Obviously, don't have a lot of money. Uh, same sports card shop that actually is still in the same location here in San Antonio. I used to stare through the glass at, you know, cards like the ones that I have, uh, like patch cards too, like the upper deck patch stuff. and just wish that I could afford those types of cards, you know, scrounging your bucks to open a few packs and buy some cheap singles and stuff like that. And so uh, once I got into college and bought a few 90s cards with like book money at the end of semesters and stuff like that. And then once I got a real job, specifically back in like 2016, I started making a few purchases of like, I bought a co-signers of uh, Duncan and Kobe and then a Rubies. We'll probably talk about that later. And that just, man, it set me back off. So it's just basically that that little niche of 97, 98, really, those two years, uh, and then three specific products. Is, and I've really started to narrow in on just that little niche of uh, rubies, PMGs, and credentials. That's just my favorite cards. Like, I've dabbled in a lot of other areas to see if, uh, you know, it kind of hit the same for me. And and a lot of those things, I mean, they're good. They're fun to collect, but they're just not. Nothing is like, like, I can get it. I just got a Tim Brown rubies in, and it was and I was marveling at it for days at how beautiful it was. So um, not a Spurs player, not Michael Jordan, you know, not Barry Sanders, but even players like that, one of the best ever, just not as popular in the hobby. Those cards hit really hard for me too. So I got to ask, obviously, I know you're, based on your name, you're a big Spurs guy. How how would you say like that, the golden era, if you will, of the San Antonio Spurs? I know it's kind of starts in the 90s and kind of trickles into the 2000s but how much of that like your fandom with the spurs obviously it's your handle drives your collecting and and what you're about yeah i mean huge i mean it's 
look, 97 is the year when all these big parallels like really kind of emerged. And that's Duncan's rookie year. Uh, I'm a big Peyton Manning fan, too. That's also a lot of those sets are his rookie year. And so, you know, that was a huge part of like being able to get the Duncan rookie rubies. And I'll, we'll probably talk about that specifically later or the credentials. And at some point I had a few of the credentials to six. And I got to a point where I had acquired virtually every Tim Duncan, almost every one of them you could get. Uh, that was meaningful, or at least meaningful to me. And uh, and then at that point, I, I kind of felt like I had, you know, it was kind of getting, I was like, well, I guess I did this. And so then I, it was a hard decision. Guys like Justin 610 and Grant uh, Waldorf, you know, they coached me a lot on like having to like kind of let a lot of that stuff go to like have a new chapter. And uh, I've done that. A lot of the big Jordans, like none of us kind of saw what was coming with this massive surge in prices. I mean, I definitely didn't. And so my goal back then in like 16, when I got obsessed with this was to get all the Spurs stuff, the, the Duncans, the Robinsons, and my, one of my favorites, I have a lot of his cards that I don't, it doesn't get as much fanfare as Sean Elliott. And I wanted to get all those. And then I was going to go after like Jordan and some of the other nineties players. I love Jordan was my favorite player, like everybody else. Uh, and then things went insane. And uh, about a year ago, I decided, I was like, dude, I've got to, like the prices seem crazy, but I also thought that when the cards were 20,000 a pop for the big rubies credentials, those types of cards. And there's a good chance, like, even though it feels absolutely stupid for me to spend that kind of money on a, on a basketball card, like it's probably going to get worse in terms of the opportunity to get them. And so I went all in and got all the, the big Jordans that I wanted minus the red and minus obviously the green, which will never happen. But that's kind of how it evolved, man. It was started with Spurs, huge fan. I mean, that's our one team here in this area. Everybody knows about the Duncan era that kind of started in 97, 98, and they won in 99 and continued from there. But even the the Robinson era, man, it was insane. Like we were winning the, the, the division most years, and then you know, you're playing in Jordan's prime, so you weren't winning championships. But uh, I mean, it was the city was electric back then, and I had season tickets, went after school for all the games with my dad. A lot of those started out, like the arena was on the Riverwalk. I went to school right around the corner from there, so I'd get off school, we'd eat dinner go to the game and it was incredible so like most of us man you're just drawn back to that childhood nostalgia and for me it started with spurs but i've kind of expanded out and touched on the jordan stuff and i'm buying a lot of football cards from the 90s too so we're going to jump into rubies but before we do that you said something there that i think is important to hit on and i think that people listening would probably like to hear more of because i think it's something we're all going through in the hobby all of the time and it's this moment where it's the next chapter it's the time for the next chapter like you get to this point where we all have cards in our collection that we love like there's intention and there's reasons why we bought these cards like what are those signals to you as as you've evolved your time in the hobby to say like okay i've spent two years three years four years with this card and now it's time to say goodbye because I'm on to bigger, better things like what are those signals you have gotten over the years to cause you to make those moves? Sometimes it's like, uh, I mean, I've definitely taken wrong turns. Like you, you want to find something new because you're bored or you're antsy and you, so you start buying some stuff. What I try to do is I try to like buy a couple of something that aren't like the really expensive ones, but something that I feel like is meaningful. And then you get it. And once you get the mail, like everyone knows this, that collects and loves this stuff. Like some mail hits really hard and some of it not as hard. So uh, you kind of start finding like things that you just love and you constantly are pulling out to look at. And that's usually my signal. I'm like, all right, like, for example, now I'm buying a lot of 90s football stuff because I'm and I'm loving it. 
wish I did it a few years ago and it was cheaper, but, but you know, whatever. I mean, it, that's a lot of fun. Like the Spurs stuff, a lot of it's just, you know, cost. Like I'm married with kids. I got, I have to answer to my wife when it, if I'm spending copious amounts of money. And uh, so sometimes, you know, you have, it's, you kind of have to sell some stuff if you want to start a new chapter in order to fund that chapter without having to do a bunch of explaining as to where the money's going. So, so it's something that maybe like gets you really excited these days that you find, I'm just trying to see if this is something that I can relate with is if you see like a Sean Elliott, you know, Vinny Del Negro, uh, any of these guys uh, from back in the day, you see some card of theirs, like a, uh, a rubies or a PMG, something that you've maybe never seen before, but all of a sudden it comes available. Is that kind of like where the stars align for you and kind of oh, yeah. your collection collecting? Oh yeah, man. I uh, like Sean Elliott. Like I go hard after him in a lot of that. Just, I mean, if I'm overpaying for Sean Elliott, I'm still spending maybe $1,500, you know? So it's, you're not really going to bleed that much, even if you're, you know, you're getting completely taken advantage of. Um, and I've, and I've done that many times with his cards, like, cause his, for whatever reason, like you, like I am actively looking for Sean Elliott and I have for six, seven years and I still only have like a handful of them. Mm. Um, I did have his PMG green and I sold it uh, a few years ago. It was before everything got nuts and somebody offered me something that felt like three X market. So definitely regret moving that one. But, uh, at the moment, at the time it made a lot of sense. This was before 2020 and everything went crazy and I got 2020 prices. So. That's amazing. So uh, let's move into rubies. You sent me a ridiculous picture of the rubies in your collection. We're going to touch on this and uh, I'm going to have to, sh I got to share this when this episode goes live. When I was covering, doing this parallel series, covering uh, different parallels, star rubies was one. I think I, I just, I knew I needed to cover just based on the notoriety and just seems like it's up there with PMGs, credentials, stuff that you collect. Yeah. What, what is it about rubies to you that you, it just seems like it's one of those parallels that continues to gain traction over the years. Yeah. What do you think it is about um, rubies that causes this? Well, I mean, it's, it's in that little window of uh, the cards that arena design designed and uh, you know, it's a parallel. They're so hard to find basketball, very difficult to find football, 97 rubies, for some, for whatever reason, there it does not feel like fifty of them are made. Like for example, I just won a. Uh, I don't have it with me yet, but I won a Michael Irvin Star Rubies from '97. I've never seen one for sale. Two have been graded. One was recently graded. I think it's the one that I got. Um, so it just surfaced. But forever, for the longest time, when I was looking for that card, there was one graded with PSA, and that was it across the graders. So it's it's just finding that like have this, especially back when you had a. I think it was Worth Point. And you could look up all mm. these old pictures and then that would then send you on this hunt to go try to find them. That whole like scarcity thing and like, and they're beautiful. Like if you look at the design, they almost have a, they, they're almost, they almost resemble rubies in their raw form. Like the shape mm. of like the, uh, the background. Uh, most of the backgrounds are color matched. The photo photography is incredible. Obviously they're very shiny, easy to recognize. You know exactly what it is. I mean, that's what I love about the, the, the late nineties stuff is, there's no next best alternative. You've got three products, mm -hmm. three parallels from two years. And, uh, and some of those Jordan's not in like credentials in 98. So you have a very small window of things that are available with no next best alternative. If you look at the other like parts of the hobby that people think are like to them, they're the best or whatever. 
there's always next best alternatives. Like if you're buying Jordan autos, there's always plenty of next best alternatives that you could go after. If you either a can't find it or something you feel like is out of your price range or too expensive at that time, based upon what you think it should be worth. And there's not really that there's no alternative to these, those three sets, like the three of the, I don't know what the fourth would be on a, a Mount Rushmore, but in rubies fits into that. So just the scarcity, the time period, you know, you have phenomenal rookies, you've got Jordan, you've got Barry Sanders, you've got all those nineties quarterbacks. You've got so many great nineties basketball players. Um, baseball only has the, uh, the rubies in 99. So not as much for baseball, but it's just, uh, it's like, it's just the perfect crossing of the roads, right place, right time kind of stuff. I love this idea of next best alternative, which is so true. I mean, you could just think about prism football today. Not only is there just, not only is there the the black finite, then there's the black stars and the black shimmer. I mean, so there's always something that they're producing. And I think that makes these nineties cards really interesting. Um, And maybe we touch on this because I think this seems like it's a thread that's coming up in all these conversations where I agree with you, like these, and 90s parallels like rubies, you know, there's a certain print run, but maybe you see one every three years, or maybe you've you haven't seen one. So maybe talk a little bit about like the 90s parallels and how there's maybe like you know 50, 99, 100, whatever the serial number is of the product, and like comparing that with today's cards that you see, where there's maybe 10 copies and like how we as collectors should be thinking about rarity and scarcity, even if the serial numbering is higher than what we see in the modern era. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's pretty widely understood by most people, at least the people that we talk to that the 90 stuff, even if it's numbered to a hundred or a football PMG, for example, out of 150, like that's so few cards were, were serial numbered and pulling a serial numbered card out of a box, like good luck. Like you can rip a case and you're, there's a good chance you're not going to get one in in the, the topic of today of rubies, for example. Um, and they were only around for a couple of years. So you they started in 96 in basketball. It was a loose card thrown in the box on top. It was only identified like the, the, the Skybox logo was red. There's some like red hollow foil on it, like but, mm. but very, very small amounts. Um, so it wasn't like anything like what started in 97, but it was thrown on top of the box, a loose card. So most of them got kind of nicked up before you ever opened the box. So for example, Jordan's PSA 10, I think there's six of those, pop six, to give an example of how rare that is. 97, that's when it really hit. That started only in basketball, like no football too. Uh, there was the Star Rubies, and then you had Team Skybox, both through mm-hmm. number 50. Um, Jordan's obviously in that set. Most people think that's kind of the, the pinnacle of the Ruby stuff. Um, a lot of people prefer the 98 Michael Jordan rubies, uh, which is a gold rubies. Um, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on which one I like. Uh, and then it, it gets kind of weird after that. Like 98, you had a series one, series two and series one. The the rubies were gold series two. They were silver. Uh, veterans were serial number to 50 rookies were serial number to 25. You also had a, a subset rubies called 90 fine that, was in series two out of 50. No Michael Jordan in that. Uh, those don't get as much love. Some of them are really, really nice. Like the Kobe, for example, is incredible. And then 99, it, it kind of it dropped off a cliff. So in terms of like the Mountain Rushmore, it's really only those two years. And in 99, that's uh, the design wasn't as good. No Jordan, just wasn't as good. Not as many people collect those. Uh, football, it's kind of funny. So in football, like you have Tim Duncan in 97 basketball, but in football, 
97, you don't have Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning starts in 98, 97 football. I feel like that's the prettiest of all the rubies. Mm. Uh, I've, I've talked to Gene about this um, from Arena Design, who made all these cards or designed them. And uh, she thinks that there, she obviously can't remember for sure. It's been too long, but she's, she thinks it's likely that they use a different foil manufacturer for football for the surfaces, mm. the rubies, because they are significantly more shiny. Uh, you notice if you collect this stuff. And then, so to me, like my favorite set of probably the 90s is like PMG championships. It's hard to beat that. But the only thing that comes close to it from my perspective is the 97 football rubies, just because the cards are just astonishing. Like if, if for example, if the Michael Jordan had a red background versus black and the same quality of foil that football has, where it really shine, like I would, I'd argue that'd be his most popular card ever made. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be, it would be insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know if that directly answers your question, but that's it's, you know, it's perfect. And so me, I want to hit on the football and the basketball of it all and comparing the two of those where it's, it seemed like when uh, people were getting back into the hobby during kind of the, the boom and you had moved past all the, the bullshit and you started to like dig into what really mattered. Uh, basketball was so front and center. There were so many strong basketball collectors and you see these rubies and you knew they were special. And it seems like it had been, it's been like, you know, a couple years, three years later. And then all of a sudden football is starting to get some recognition and these cards have always been there, but it just seems like the interest from the hobby has gone up. Maybe yeah. uh, talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, from like, a, uh, I want to collect rubies. I like basketball and I like football. Like, where should I start type of a thing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because you didn't see the same. And I think it's due to the scarcity. They're just so hard to find. And, and during the, the boom, there, it was just a frenzy. It was a mania where people like they just had to get their hands on cardboard. So like the whole thought of patience, <laughs> people weren't, you know, it's, they don't pop up enough. And so as a result, you didn't necessarily see the same significant jump or spike during like, you know, if you were delay like Ruby's PMGs and credentials, like the graph, I should get Chris or Josh to do this. <laughs> over like the the spike like you see like more of a gradual climb i mean i would assume that's how it would look for this stuff and i think a lot of that is like a they're just harder to find so you didn't have like the the manic boom that a lot of other stuff had uh and then also i do think with so many new people that have entered the hobby and if you look at like the activity level like searches on google it's still really really high versus pre-boom uh, and people get smarter you know people come in and they learn and people, a lot of people have like shifted all their focus into these. A lot of the main people that are buying this stuff up that are hyper obsessed with them came in after the boom. And that's also partly why you're starting to see football jump. A lot of those guys that uh, started collecting this stuff hardcore and are truly passionate about it started a couple of years ago. So in terms of like where to start if you're coming in, I mean, hey, hey you got to, you know, go buy a couple of cheap ones and see how they feel. You know, if you whatever your team is, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, like. There's an Ashley Ambrose that ended a couple of nights ago. He's a decent player. Like pick that up for 50 bucks and see if it hits. If it does, we'll maybe go buy something more expensive. I've always dabbled in like football, for example, but man, I've like the passion for that stuff. It really started with that Barry Sanders and some Emmett Smith cards. Uh, and now I'm starting to venture out further than that. But um, man, they're just, they're just stunning, especially the rubies. Once I realized how much better looking the rubies foil was, uh, I mean, I was hooked. And so now I've been obviously adding more in any chance that I can get. We're going to talk about your ridiculous collection here in a second. Um, but before we do, I want to touch on, uh, maybe this is something that uh, you you can help educate on, 
But one thing you were talking about starting points and one thing that I have found to do, especially because like I, I collect Peyton and, you know, getting his rubies is, you know, it's not cheap and it's hard to find. So from my, what I did was went out and got some of his the ruby form of the inserts, like the bomb and skylines. And yep. to me, it wasn't like breaking the bank, but it was like, I got an insert that is, is in Ruby's form. It has a serial number on the back. And to me, that was like a good starting point. Maybe talk a little bit about like those sorts of opportunities where it's like, it doesn't necessarily, it's not just like the base cards, but there's plenty of other lanes. Yep. You mentioned team skybox earlier. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's, like in baseball, there's spring, there's spring, spring fling, which was a, a subset rubies in uh, '99. You can get those for a fraction of the price that you can get the the big boys. Basketball's got uh, ninety fine team skybox. I'm sure there's some other ones too, and those cards are incredible. And so a lot of times, like that's a good way to get going is to see if this is the niche that you like. Go find, seek things out like that. There's also inserts that come in these products that are absolutely incredible. A lot of them are still very underrated, undervalued. So you can go and do your research on that kind of stuff, like look at pack odds on websites and kind of figure out little niches that you think might be fun to go collect. And then, uh, if, you know, a year or two down the road or whatever the time frame is, if you're still super passionate about it, you've likely got a collection of stuff that uh, other people would find desirable. And you can do what the, you know, the theme of the, uh, the year has been consolidation. And so I'm sure at that point, you know, if you do want to go for the big one, in your case, the the Peyton Manning, it's, I think there's 35 of them. You know, if you can eventually find one, you have an opportunity to go consolidate and use, either do it yourself or now all these different services like Fund Your Cards and, and Wharf and those kind of guys are making it pretty darn easy for people to get into that Peyton Manning, for example, and trade some of the other stuff that you've dabbled on to kind of build up to the moment where you're, you've got conviction that that's the right direction for you. And that's, you know, you're you're willing to put that kind of money into it. I, I know this is like sidebar, but I love the conversation around. I, I think consolidation has always been a topic, but there's it's obviously become a big topic uh, this year. And it's uh, so fun to me to hear about how everybody thinks about the process of consolidation because everyone does it in a different way and has different qualifications and things that have to happen or uh, and I don't know. I just feel like when you jump back into the hobby, some of these cards just seem like absurd, but it's just the more time you spend and the more equity you put into your collection, the more you can leverage that on some yeah. of your dream cards and grails. And you mentioned some of the services out there that are helping it make it easy. You got to kind of get comfortable with it. Like, you know, when, when I first came in spending $3,000 felt like you, what now would probably be like 25,000, you know, like you just, you kind of get conditioned to two things and you and you got to get comfortable because you're going to dump that kind of money in something you better believe that even though you, it's a it's a hobby and you're you're doing it for a passion like when it comes to those dollar amounts you can't be stupid or you have to try your best not to be even though you know all of this is could be perceived by outsiders <laughs> as uh you know a little ridiculous um the greater fool theory kind of comes into play but um you know it's that's probably another big part of it is like you have to get comfortable with spending that kind of money. And a lot of that comes with experience before you can get comfortable and gain the confidence needed to go buy the big cards. I mean, I went through that for sure. And I've continued to go through it. Like buying these big Jordans was, uh, you know, it puckers you up pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you segued right into it. Um, and we're going to talk about Jordan and this is fun because I don't, 
I hope people listening know I don't do it because it's not intentional, but this, like doing this and talking about nineties parallels gives me the opportunity to reflect on like, not only how great Michael Jordan is, but like literally how important he is for driving premier parallels like rubies and their value and their significance. So I'd love, I want you to talk about like your Jordans, but maybe first before you do, like how important is that Michael Jordan effect? Do you think on the longevity of a parallel, like a star rubies and just other nineties parallels as a whole? I think it's everything. I mean, I'm in a group chat and if you, you know, the, the consensus among the, the big Jordan collectors that sit around and talk in an echo chamber all day and nerd out is that these parallels are Michael Jordan's best cards. And so if that's true, it's a, it's in a collective opinion. Uh, so it's never actually going to be true. But if that's the, the the opinion of the hobby, if that's what we consider to be true, then everything that will will, will kind of ride in the wake of that. I, I personally think they're his best cards. And as a result of that, everything else that comes in the form of that, like, so now that, you know, you're seeing a big surge for people looking for the Barry Sanders and virtually every other player that was good or a Hall of Famer in the 90s, like you're seeing a massive surge. Like there was mm. a, a Chris Weber ended for somewhere around 10,000 a couple of nights ago on Golden Weekly, which, and it wasn't in the high grade. I think it was maybe a six or a seven. I can't remember for sure, but it, it was, and it's an insane card. I love that card, but you know, that you're just seeing the effect across the board where people are, and most of it I think is like, I, at times I do worry, like, is this, is it running too hot? So there is a significant amount of people that are very passionate about this niche where I don't necessarily feel like we're getting hit with like the kind of the flipper mentality. And you also don't really see these being bought and then resurfacing shortly thereafter, like a lot of other stuff. So the Jordan effect, I think, is what certainly carries it. The fact that most people consider his PMGs, PMG champ, credentials, rubies, like that's his best tiny little niche. And the supply for that is microscopic in relationship to the demand. You know, it's it's likely going to continue to, supply is going to continue to never catch up to the demand of those cards. And as more and more people come into the hobby and more and more people, you know, our, our age group continues to get older and, and acquires more wealth, I, you would assume that these things become harder to get and more expensive to get. So, so I love, I love, I'm, I'm excited to ask this question because of the cards that you own and you talked about Jordan. Um, and I want you to like, when I ask this question, maybe just make share what are the Jordan rubies that you have, but based on Jordan being Jordan, based on rubies being rubies, based on these being as rare and scarce as they are, how challenging is that for someone who loves Jordan, who loves 90s parallels, who let's say, no, John, you have these cards to even come close to trying to pry those cards away from you? Like, is, is it like impossible? Like, can it happen? No, I mean, I'm sure you could money whip, but like it would be on a, such a multiple over market that it, it would no one that's in their right mind would do it. There's, there, it was so hard to get them and I had to make so much sacrifice to get them that there's no way. And there's nothing like nothing, no male hits like getting some of like getting these Jordans. Like it's such an accomplishment and you know what you had, you had to go through to, to do it. And so that's obviously a big part of it as well. Um, it's let's, not let's, let's hear the stories for how you got those cards. Yeah. I mean, well, one of them, um, let's see. So one of them, I, so one of them is not that exciting. There's a, an auction house that 
I would guess most listeners have never heard of called Huggins and Scott. And uh, I think it's out of Maryland. I think I could be wrong, but something like that. And somebody walked that card into their auction house. Uh, the 98 rubies. If you want to see it, I'll show it to you. I got it here somewhere. Uh, it's this one here. So I try to get in the best place in my house to use my. Uh, oh, yeah. Still not great. And so I, I found it on Huggins and I was like, OK, like this will I'll likely get some form of a break price wise because who the hell knows where that website is. You know, they don't they don't compile that data into card ladder or anything like that. So I did. I got it for 20 percent off or something like that, mm. which, which is good at the, the values these things go for. So had to bite the bullet do that uh obviously very puckered up to spend that kind of money I, that had to have been the most i'd ever spent on a card uh and then the other one it's like when you acquire a card like this like the 97 and this one they just do not shine like like the footballs do but there's the 97 mm. uh you know cards like that you got to bleed a lot and so i i traded a duncan credentials number to six for it the rookie so as a big spurs fan too i know <laughs> I know. It, uh, but it's you know I, I had a, I had kind of a, a, a hit the top of the mountain for yeah collecting and so this was there's if you want to go after the Jordans man you gotta you're gonna bleed to do it and so uh, that's that's why I got those two the uh, the credentials I uh, I traded a couple of prism golds and got a back when those were really hot got a got the Jordan credentials so that worked out well and then uh, the other two was nothing sexy I did a I sent golden a friend of mine used to work for Golden, and so he uh, these were on the on the private sell side of Golden, and he hit me up and he said, "You need to get these." And we worked out a price, and I sent him a bunch of cards, and that's how I got the PMG Championship and the uh, the ninety eight PMG Gold. So that's uh, and that that all happened in a six month period to, to acquire all those. I Once mean, I decided I was going to do it, I did it. <laughs> how do you not just like hang up your hobby jersey after that six months there? And it was insane. Like, I mean, I would pull them out and just be like Marvel at them. And, you know, again, like a lot of sacrifice. And dude, it was, it's scary. Like spending that kind of money. You're like, how's, you're like, how dumb are you? Like, this is way crazy. This is crazy. You're, you're an idiot. Like spending that much money on a basketball card. But once you get them, the satisfaction is so strong. And then, uh, and then there's definitely a hangover because then you have to find something else that mm. can compare to that when the mail comes in. And, uh, that's obviously a, a, a tall task. And, uh, Ironically, the uh, the Barry Sanders rubies and then acquiring some other 97 football rubies, that's been what's been other 90s football uh, PMGs and credentials. That's really been kind of what my passion has been over the past six to eight months. So you sent before we, I alluded to this, but you sent me uh, kind of your rubies stack. And so I want to talk about some of the cards that are in your collection. But let's start with the the Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is another guy. It seems like I can't do one of these episodes without talking about him, but he he's in the hearts and minds of people that are collecting cards that are in our age brackets. And I think we're just seeing, you know, massive interest on his rare and scarce stuff, probably because, and this is just speculation, because um, these, the people just are with football and nineties, all the dots are connecting and people are finally just getting to the point where we're, thinking about Jordan and his cars being gobbled up and thinking, what are, who are the crossover people in football? And I think, you know, Jerry Rice and Barry Sanders, who are the non-quarterbacks kind of pop up. So maybe talk about your uh, Barry Sanders rubies, what you have and any stories. Yeah, it's funny, man. The uh, the quarterbacks don't get near as much love as Barry and, and, uh, and Jerry does. And then Brady Moss, 
decent amount. And then uh, Peyton, I mean, you, I got his credentials out of seven rookie is still a sub hundred thousand dollar card. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. I've got ones, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> but that, that's wild to me. I mean, I, I love that I could have gotten it at that price point, but uh, yeah, I mean, Barry's Barry's Barry, man. It's to me, kind of reminds me of Griffey where he was just bigger, larger than life. He was, he did things that no one else did and still hasn't done, you know, Griffey had some of that in him too. And so I think people just love that, right? He retired like in his prime. Like there's just a lot of things to like about him. Seems like he's a generally good person, uh, stuff like that. So the two, I mean, this is one of my favorite cards. Like, I mean, you can probably instantly tell how much more it shines mm. the football counterpart. Um, they're just, this is maybe my favorite card. Like it, it is. Tell so- people what you're holding up who are listening. Oh yeah. Good call. So that's the 97 star rubies, Barry Sanders. So you know, I would love for someone to message me if I have this incorrect, because I've tried to do my research. And based upon my research, the last one of these that sold publicly was in 2015. And it was this, this exact, this, this card is the one that sold. Mm-hmm. And then I acquired this privately at the Atlantic City National. And then one has sold since on Golden Weekly for a large amount, probably surprised some folks. That's the first public sale since 2015. And in using card ladder, like I've, try to go back as far as I can. And like, there's very few of them have sold. And it goes back to that theme where football, for some reason, it doesn't feel like 50 exists for each player. Like it mm. just, there's not enough graded comparing it to basketball. They never show up. It's, it's kind of strange. And and, it, and then the fact that they're the foil is absolutely gorgeous. Like it's, it's the football 97 rubies is probably my favorite. I mean, the PMG champs, it goes one, a one B probably. Uh, here's the other one. That's the next year. So Stunning, beautiful silver rubies. Great card, man. Absolutely stunning. And then uh, a guy that, you know, has the all-time rushing record, touchdown record, many more records besides that, three Super Bowls that gets no hobby love. I love him, Emmett Smith. So just an insanely beautiful card. One of the most uh, underappreciated all-time greats for sure. Is it the, um, again, this is something comparing and contrasting and trying to reason why certain players get are valued the way they are. Um, what's your take on Barry over Emmett? It, you know, the championships are with Emmett, the rushing records with Emmett, but, you know, it just seems like the things that drive collectability is that sizzle. You mentioned Griffey. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about Jordan. It just seems like Barry falls into that sizzle category. Is there yeah. anything else that you can think of of, like, why Barry Sanders' value on this stuff is more than Emmett's? It definitely is. There's the underdog factor. You know, he was doing things that no one could do, and there's all sorts of narratives. Imagine him if he had Emmett Smith's line. Mm. I mean, but Emmett Smith consistently did that every single year for a long period of time. That old line was changing pretty frequently. And he did have some of the best linemen ever. I'm not arguing that, but uh, I think it discounts how good he actually was with that narrative. Uh, and he was, and he was fantastic. But then, I mean, I'm also a huge Tim Duncan fan. who's not in my eyes. This isn't my word that most people would say is one of the more boring players ever. I think that's a, a complete, that's BS, but I can also see why people say that. So Maybe that's why I like Emmett. He fits in my uh, boring Tim Duncan category. What What else, uh, rubies wise, you, do you have in your uh, collection that you you want to call out and talk about? So the one I picked up at the National. This is my big pickup this year. Uh, the Kobe, which aesthetically is my favorite basketball rubies. I think it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the picture of him, the young Kobe, yellow jersey, and his background actually does shine very well for the basketball set. Love that one. I went to Texas Tech, so I'm a huge Zach Thomas fan. And like, I don't know if this will be picked up. Mm. Man, these footballs, like you can just 
the sparkle of uh, that kind of Miami dolphin blue or aqua green. Same with like the Dan Marino. Like, and plus, man, good luck finding these. Like, you, they just never ever turn up. And then old Spurs like Sean Elliott, one of my favorite players ever. I've got both of his rubies here. I've got most of his big '90s cards at this point, minus that mm-hmm. green sold. But man, I. I love them, man. Uh, it's a great product. And yeah, I mean, if people haven't dabbled in them, I, uh, I'm not necessarily asking for more competition, but <laughs> it's an incredible little niche. We talked about it a little bit, but maybe we like close out here. I'm curious, thinking about rubies, thinking about credentials, PMGs, and maybe whatever else you want to mention, how would you, how, what fits on your Mount Rushmore and of 90s parallels and maybe what's in the George Washington spot and, and why? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, man, I, if you go collectively, I think definitely the PMG championship and they don't, they're called PMGs in baseball and football, but, um, but I, I like to call them the PMG championships because everyone knows what that is. So maybe that's not what they're called in the nineties, but it helps people understand what you're talking mm. about. Uh, so I would say that, I mean, just the, the city backgrounds, um, so many of them are incredible. I think the Derek Jeter with the Statue of Liberty and the white mm. pinstripes, the action shot. I mean, I've got that one. That's I think that's one of the best design cards of all time. I mean, it's my favorite probably. I probably take Ruby second, and then uh, and it's funny because I, I used to be a credentials guy, but that's probably shifted to third uh, in my line in my eyes. And they're all right there next to each other. It's like one ABC. Uh, the fourth, I, I was consulting with some of my '90s buddies, like what would be the fourth, and. Uh, Man, there's a lot of options because there's a big drop off after those three sets. So you could argue like 24 karat gold, uh-huh. maybe uh, legacy, maybe platinum medallion. You know, there's some options, but that four spot that's hard to fill. Like that's like I would probably personally take platinum medallion. I love it. I love the 97 and the 98. The Jordans are incredible. I love the Duncan rookie from that set. You've got masterpieces in those sets. So I'd probably pick that as my fourth. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but that's my personal top four. I think that's a very strong top four. Your collection is insane. And I know we just like kind of zeroed in on rubies, but um, I'm sure we could go run down the list and have the same discussion for all the other parallels. This was so much fun. John, appreciate you coming on and sharing your passion about sports cards, rubies, and talking a little 90s with us today. It was great, man. Thanks for having me on really enjoyed getting the opportunity to connect with john about his collection talking star rubies talking barry sanders talking mj all of those things hopefully you learned a thing or two i know i did so much passion i love sports cars i love this hobby you all take care of yourself take care of everyone around you happy collecting and i'll talk to you soon 